am Kristen Yorka, and I'm here with Ikam Acosta. She is a Cuban-American author, healer, and crisis consultant, and she's here with us on Finding Solid Ground. Welcome, Ikam. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful. We're excited to have you and learn all about shadow work, um, which I feel is such a loaded word. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll get 5,000 or more definitions of what shadow work can be. I would love to start off by learning what you believe shadow work is. Well, I believe that um, it's pretty much going inside and um, and coming to terms with the parts of yourself that you've disowned or kind of denied, um, haven't come to terms with, that sort of thing. And usually, you know, we, we have an idea of what our character is like and we act in accordance to that idea. Uh, but there's so many parts of us that we haven't explored or, or you know, come to terms with yet. Um, or even have denied, um, you know, that have surfaced before that we maybe weren't in accord with um, at first, but we should get to know them better. That Can, you was, that's Can you give us an example of um, something lurking in the shadows that's maybe common for a lot of people? And then walk us through how that shadow might manifest and then let us know how doing the shadow work can then bring it into the fold and hopefully transmute it. Okay, let's say um, maybe somebody doesn't want to be, um, or, or somebody gets really bothered by people who are who take control, or uh, you know might be a little aggressive, that sort of thing, um, because they themselves may be like shy or timid. So um, you know they to that person their shadow is that aggression, that you know take control kind of personality. But um, you know essentially if they come to terms with that aspect of themselves, maybe they might get a little more, more courage to speak up or um, you know, maybe more assertive in their lives. Um, and that's been holding them back this whole time. So by identifying that resistance and that fear, it can you know, provide the avenue for somebody to kind of grow mm -hmm. and, and you know, embody things that maybe they didn't believe themselves are capable of. So that other person acts for us as the mirror. Right. So something that annoys us, rubs us as wrong, what rubs us the wrong way, or we just don't like someone for some reason, right? Yeah. And so then in exploring those reasons, we try to like flip the mirror back on ourselves and see what it is about us. Because it could go through, if I'm understanding correctly, it could go either way. It's either something that we too embody or something that we don't and we're ashamed of that or we wish we were. Is that correct? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think we're all on the same page, I think, now. Um, what are some, what have you found are some challenges to do it going through shadow work? Well, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, nobody wants to admit their flaws. Nobody wants to face things that either they're afraid of or they reject, you know? So nobody wants to identify with somebody that, that has been bothering them the whole time. You know, nobody wants to be addressed their jealousy, their rage, their, you know, um, incompetence whatever that may be um because then they would have to admit that they are that or you know they are like that so um it's it's definitely an ego thing and you have to definitely be willing to to shed that that you know resistance brought by the ego and be like you know i am everything you know um embrace that duality because in fact we are everything and a lot of things are held back because we don't think we can be that other thing because we have this notion of ourselves that we've walked through this life with. And, um, you know, it's incomplete most of the time. 
and we like to be the ones that are right, right? Our ego likes to be right. That other person is dead wrong. They're a jerk, <laughs> and I'm awesome. And if they would just leave the planet, my life would be perfect. It's kind Absolutely. of like what the ego says, right? Because you yeah. recently sent me an email about um, about shadow work, and at first it was it I was all gung ho, like, yep, yep, that person's a jerk, yep. Absolutely. Yep. And then at the end, it's like, but you're a jerk too. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. Absolute crap. And then just in that awareness, I was like, okay, sometimes you have to you go baby steps. Like sometimes I can be a jerk, you know, maybe like we open a window to allow for the maybe. Um, but it is, it's brutally hard, especially I think in a culture that, has taught us to be okay and happy all the time, right? Yeah. And if we're not okay and happy all the time, then there's something wrong with us. And wrong can be really hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to share, if you'll allow me, I was um, doing some shadow work myself kind of on accident two weeks ago because I use um, tarot to meditate and I had pulled the moon card, if you're not familiar. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me, it's all about shadow work. And so I'll look at this card and kind of work through it. There's things that come up intuitively and just journaling. But what jumped out at me was one phrase. It said, I can't be good for everyone. Sometimes I'm the villain. I was like, oh. <laughs> you no, know, because part of my shadow is I do want to be good for everyone. Like good is like a really big thing for me. Um, so when I feel not good for someone else or someone hates me, my, it's so triggering for me. Then, I mean, now I'm more aware, but what would it, what it would cause, how it would manifest was me trying to do everything possible so that I was the good one. Mm -hmm. You know, this person could be yelling at me, screaming. And I'm like, how can I make this better? Maybe I'll bake them a cake. Maybe, <laughs> you know, it's like crazy, you know, instead of just setting the boundary and being like, okay, this is. I don't have to be good for everyone. People can hate me. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so how are some other ways that uh, an unaddressed shadow can manifest themselves in people? Well, for example, um, another, you know, it, it kind of goes with what you said about, um, you know, being a doormat for some, you know, like the, the whole thing, like, and I, I've seen that in my life, you know, um, in that you want to provide service and, oh, you don't, you want to be the bigger person. You don't want to, you know, cause waves. You always want to, you know, do good, um, okay. or you perceive as good um, for the other person. And but a lot of times, it, it's it, it makes you realize, like, hey, I'm being taken advantage of, you know. Right. And it's happened in relationships, work, you know, so many different arenas that you try to strive and do your best, and but then you're like, you feel like you've bet been betrayed. And it's and it's that's a thing. It's um it's not just what they do to you. It's what you allow to be done to yourself. And that's really Absolutely. I'm getting chills. Yes. That's it's the harsh thing. You know, why did I put up with this? Why did I let this go on so long? And um why did I allow my my boundaries to be kind of receding instead of me creating set boundaries. So, um by addressing those, you know, flaws or at least, you know, setbacks that you've had it's uh, it allows you to be more assertive in the future to be more um you know willing to create those boundaries mm -hmm. and that way you know you're, you're pretty much asserting what what your truth is more you're more in alignment to what you're trying to accomplish and the person that you are right 
I, I got goosebumps on betrayal because that's such a hard pill to swallow. So like betray yourself and then admit to the fact that you betrayed yourself. It's not just the outside world causing all of this to you. You are also allowing a certain, and it's not about victim blaming. You're allowing a certain percentage to happen. Yeah. Right? And I think, I think what you just said is all about responsibility. So shadow work to a degree is about taking responsibility for your healing. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's exactly what it is. You know, owning all of yourself, not just parts of yourself that you like, you know, mm -hmm. because then that's not all of you. Right. Exactly. I want some, um, I was once at tea with a Buddhist nun, because that's what people do, right? Um, <laughs> but we weren't talking about shadow work, but she says something that later when I started doing shadow work, this one sentence she said really started to come back to me. And she said, you are only triggered by the things you believe about yourself. And I was like, Absolutely. right? Like if somebody said, like told me I'm a bad mom, right? And I was like, no, I'm an awesome mom. Like, what are you talking about? But somebody hit me in a place that somewhere in my subconscious, I do believe about myself. Then I, you know, you become enraged or you become angry or you become sad. There is a trigger and an emotion toward this seemingly outside force, but it's really just an inner trauma essentially or inner belief that you haven't brought into the fold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was always something I've carried with me. Um, like, is this, and I think it's, that's the importance of shadow work is to, when we're out in the world, it's not just when we're sitting down, right? When, and doing our work, when we're out in the world to be able to pause and be like, oh, does that hurt me because it's true? Or does that hurt me because it's something I believe is true about myself? Yeah. And, and then, then there's maybe not an immediate reaction, I think. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. I mean, that's the most important place to exercise it, out in the real world, because that's where the triggers are, you know? We can be all zen in our living room and be a perfectly at peace, but, Great. <laughs> you know, anybody can be relaxed in their own home, mm -hmm. in a bubble, or, you know, or in the woods, you know? But when you're in traffic, when you're in the grocery store, when you're just, you know, in a crowded place, just everybody's just zooming by being, you know, people, um, it really is more difficult, you know, or when you're in a situation, you know, you know, maybe miscommunication with somebody, whatever, um, that's when you should really keep it together. And that's when you'll be glad that you did your work, you know, so you're not caught off guard or by surprise. Right, exactly. Um, well, we've talked a lot about um, the, act the actual work. I'm interested in actually going through it. I'm a kinesthetic learner, so, and maybe some folks are too. So I'd like you to take us through the practice. And if you're like me and you like to journal, journal it. If um, you'd like to close your eyes and just go through it, I think that's cool. Do you have any other suggestions for them as you take them through this? Um, no, just, you know, um, pretty much take a deep breath, you know, um, hold in for, um, you know, eight. Breathe in for eight. Hold it. And then breathe out. Again, in for eight. Hold it. 
and then breathe out. All right. Let me pull up the. I'm going to take out my paper. And immediately my ego's like, I don't want to do this. That's <laughs> Okay, here it is. So um, pretty much um, it's based on the fact that um, to prevent these kind of situations where you might get triggered by other people or by um, things that happen in your daily life. So we don't live in a vacuum. We, you know, um, we live in chaotic surroundings, um, especially in this day and age with everything going on. You know, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that will trigger us, you know, um, you know, just it's uncomfortable to to live in today's society. So um, the activity that I propose is for you to, you know, pretty much think about somebody um, that that bothers you um, either on a daily basis or something that somebody has done that has really bothered you um, and that, you know, you just can't get out of your head um, and then make a list, you know, make a list of the qualities that bother you in that person or maybe just pick one to start with and, you know, just really, you know, meditate on that. Then look, flip it back on yourself and look at the times in your life where you have been that, you know, um, that type of person. Or maybe if you haven't been that type of person to somebody else, when have you been that to yourself? You know, like we talked about betrayal earlier. Um, you know, it's a lot tougher to swallow times that you've betrayed yourself because, you know, you're supposed to have your back. You're supposed to really advocate for yourself. But, um, you know, it's tough to realize, like, hey, we don't always do that. We let ourselves compromise in situations, right? So it, it's that kind of idea. Um, I have a know. question. Yeah. How about if some are less, like, we really um, bring it in and some of these attributes, there are less, um things we see in ourselves but more fears we hold is that also key or do you think there's maybe some digging more to do yeah no that can definitely you know be another type of you know practice you know another type of aspect of this practice that um you know it's things that you're you're not you know you're kind of resistant towards mm -hmm. you know that you're afraid of or um have a kind of aversion to right. also okay. And so, you know, once you realize, you know, those parts of, you know, that, that part, how you relate to that kind of aspect, um, it can tell you a lot about either the fear, you know, why you're having resistance or why you've maybe disowned that kind of aspect of yourself, you know, and a lot of times it could have just been, you know, like one incident or a lot of times maybe like a repetitive, you know, kind of borrowing of that ideology, like you know, being ingrained slowly and slowly, like, oh, I don't want to be like that person. I don't want to have attribute. So there's many ways it can manifest. You know, it's not just like one set thing. It's essentially, you know, things you fear, things you deny, um, you know, things that bother you. Oh, why, why did I do that? You know, mm -hmm. and then of course, you notice everybody else that you encounter does that to you, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, you have that energy pattern, you know, and then you're kind of trying to break you know, that sort of thing, you know, it's you know, the once the more you do your work, you're going to see less of that, you know, around you that bothers you. Right. Because I'm writing here. Um, so I wrote down five things about another person and they look to me as my greatest fears, you know, like, yeah, like when 
And what the things that hurt me, and now that I look at it, the things that hurt me the most when others say it about me. If someone were to say these things about me, I would crumble up and die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we 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 brought in this image of this person that seems to rub us the wrong way, and we're writing down these attributes, um, and then. And then, um, you know, once you you realize um, what injustices you've done, you know, you've done to yourself or, you know, you've done to others. And, you know, you can be mindful of that, you know, next time you you encounter that in you, you know, you're more cognizant of when that rises or um, or when you're triggered by something externally. It doesn't bother you anymore because it's not kind of pulling at that part of you. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with, you know, trauma work in general. You know, once you resolve your, your triggers, it's it's a matter of. Um, not being um, in that stress response once that happens, you know, um, like once you address what set you off in the first place, you come to terms with that. And then, you know, it doesn't bother you in the future because, you you know, it's kind of like more rational now as opposed to like that initial emotional response setting off that chemical cascade in our mm -hmm. brain. And I want to speak to that a little bit as a person that's done my own trauma work. I feel it's good to say that it's it's not like we do one thing and it's resolved forever. Sometimes, and you could tell me I'm wrong, but sometimes the path of healing trauma is is more of a loopy spiral. And maybe like we're as we're doing it, we don't really feel resolved in that moment. But little by little, pieces of that of that trauma of that trigger are kind of falling off. Is that true to yeah. say? Yeah, yeah, it's not a linear process whatsoever. Healing is not a linear process, you know. You're going to heal something, you know, come across one obstacle, resolve that, and then eight more might pop up, you know, right. because it's kind of like a web, you know. You resolve one point of it, and then other pieces might fall, and then, or you might resolve uh, a big part of it, you know, by addressing one incident. You know, other stuff that were connected to that might just fall apart and not bother you anymore. so frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> You yeah. feel like you're at the top of the mountain, you're like, I did it. And then you see that it's just a cliff and there's so much more. <laughs> it's never done. It really isn't done. It gets better. It gets lighter. Right. You know, it gets easier, you know, but it's never re always resolved, you know. And, okay. and the funny thing is that after you start that road of um, shadow work and discovery, like any little like micro thing that, that you feel that you've done is like now a big deal because you're like, no, you know, because you know better. <laughs> know you know better and you have more responsibility now there is a part in, of the brain that's like wasn't it better when we were just sleeping wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> <There> was. <laughs> um, so let's go back we've made we found our person we've made our list and we're kind of self-investigating what injustices we've done to ourselves and others yes um, so do you think it's fair to say that if a person wanted to journal or just meditate on this it's the way to go Absolutely. Journaling is excellent for many reasons before, you know, because a, you can go back and always kind of, you know, readdress it and revisit that um, and expand on that. But also um, in the fact that it connects um, your, let's, let's say, you know, any, any sort of traumatic memories in a different part of the brain than your regular other memories. So what journaling does it, okay, so you know when you just wake up from a dream, you have the concept in your head, you can't really verbalize it. Mm -hmm. It's in a different storage area, like area. So mm -hmm. that's how memories are so they're in this conceptual part um, of the brain that are very susceptible to um, you know emotional you know response and 
you know, that sort of thing, um, you know, because you're cued on danger signals and, you know, it's just very basic primal. Um, so what journaling does is it brings it to the part of a brain that has language and, um, you know, puts it in a more rational perspective. So you can access that memory and those feelings without that emotional kind of response. So mm -hmm. it, it's a type of processing, you know, any type of journaling. Just so it brings it to a more analytical space. Right. Then, the, um, than the traumatic kind of visceral area. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with talking. You know, when you put it into language, it, you know, it gives it a different type of power and it's a different type of reasoning that takes place, you know, because you're essentially teaching it to somebody and we know that we learn best by teaching. Mm -hmm. So that's that, it's that sort of concept, why it's good to verbalize it as opposed to just pondering it. It also kind of stops the record from spinning, I found. Like yes. if there's something that's that's been really um, that I'm in this like trauma spiral, there's yeah. a part of me that that is just trying to block it, like keep it in that space, in that safe in the back of my brain, so that it doesn't leak into my day to day. But what actually happens is that it is leaking in because it takes a massive amount of effort to keep that in the safe, right? So right. I think what you're saying is absolutely true that once we bring it into the analytical space into verbal language or writing, it, it, it kind of uh, shuts it up a little bit, right? It's, and then there's not so much effort had in trying to push it back so you get through a day. You've kind of breathed it out into the world and then it's no longer in here doing its thing. Yeah, yeah, you've kind of given it your blessing and release. Right, right. You can do this for right now and then I need you to go. <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. So, like, if people are following along, we name the other, we wrote down what bothers us so much about them and therefore ourselves, and then we're, we've journaled or meditated on what injustices we've done to ourselves and others. Is there a next step? Um, so I keep losing the activity. Oh, one right, second. So Before I go on, there is a question. And there, um, someone is asking, what is your suggestion if at times one gets tired of journaling? Um, well, you can definitely still, you know, complete the activity, contemplate on it, whatever. Um, and just kind of like, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole, you know, intricate thing. You know, it could just be a list of, of, of stuff. You don't have to journal about everything, you know, that comes up. Um, it, it just aids the process, you know. Um, and I would just kind of, you know, jot down key points. And then if you want to come back to it, that's great, you know, um, because, you know, until you resolve it, it'll still kind of be there. So it's not like you're going to lose it, you know. Um, it'll, it'll still remind you to go back and, and address that if, if it's something that was important. Yeah, I feel, um, because people often ask me, um, with other practices, is it okay just to maybe meditate on it? And I think, um, I'd like to hear your opinion, but I think meditation is great. Um, it could get you through it, but I think writing it down makes me feel like it's complete. Like it's out of here, it's onto here and now we're done. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it solidifies it, exactly. And also it provides more accountability because now it's out there, you know? Um, so you're more committed to, you know, to completing the process if it's out there and it's more tangible than if you were just to contemplate it. And yeah, I mean, contemplating and meditating on it is fantastic because as long as you address it, it's good. Mm -hmm. But if you really solidify and commit to the process and kind of you know, make it official, then, you know, writing it down. It doesn't have to be intricate. Like I said, it could just be mm. short thoughts. So 
I also think of it as like um, notes from my past self, you know, yeah. written down, especially if it's written down, like I keep a, a tarot journal and if it's written down and the next day I have the same feelings or emotions around something, then I go back and read how I resolved it the day before. And then I feel like I'm almost a step ahead, right? Right. So yeah. I don't have to start from scratch each time. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, exactly. You can look back and, and it's also motivational. Like, oh, look mm -hmm. how much I've changed. Look how right. much I've grown. So it inspires you to keep going, you know? And it's little reminders, you know, once you feel, you know, maybe out of out of the sink or out of your path, whatever, it, it kind of draws you back in mm -hmm. um, by, you know, anchoring you to that to that process. Right. Um, so after we've done this journaling process, um, is there a way to... Uh, I know when you wrote us and we sent out the, this practice out to subscribers, the final step was what I read was acceptance. Mm -hmm. So accept kind of what you wrote and what you've resolved in all of this. Um, yeah. Do you would like to speak to that? Yeah, acceptance is a big part of the integration process. You know, once you accept, you know, you're the wholeness of, of that aspect of yourself, you know, that, dual, that duality, once you accept that, um, you know, I think it, it kind of, changes your identity as a person it enhances your concept of self and how you behave you know and i think it's integrate you know there will be a period of adjustment of you know you kind of like settling into your daily life with with that sort of concept and 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 realizing where you've changed and what you notice now that maybe you didn't notice before and how things affect you differently mm -hmm. and you know and and acceptance may not be happen the day of journaling it might happen after you know once you realize that, once you kind of enact that, you know, that practice into your daily life, you'll start noticing, you know, after effects, you know, how the world changes for you, you know, mm -hmm. how you the world, because we are, we really all uh, view the world through these set filters based on our experience, you know, um, uh, you know, what, what's happened to us, our previous, um, you know, interactions, that sort of thing. So, you know, it, once you clean that filter, or change it, then you're going to see the world differently. Yeah, I think you said something important. There is a period of also adjustment, maybe before or after the acceptance. Um, and we may have to come to terms with some of these emotions, correct, that we've been bearing deep. And I think it's great to think that we're going to do our list and go through our thing. And then we're going to be like, oh, today is a bright new day. The sun is shining, rainbows and unicorns and the whole thing. But if one of your really tough emotions, for me, that's anger and anger is like over there and I don't want to touch it. And that's something that I'm learning to accept and bring into the fold. Then there might be a day, if that's your emotion, that you may spend the next few hours, the next day, the next week experiencing that emotion. You know, is that true to say for everyone? Or is that just like, I like a shadow yeah. for me? No, and it's it really does depend, and it doesn't have to always occur that way. But it definitely it definitely occurs. You know that maybe you're you're more stuck to a certain paradigm, you know, and and it might take time to to kind of process through that, or or maybe initially it won't be as obvious what you know what 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 the, what the change would be or whatever. Um, so it might take time to sit with you know and kind of you know slowly process it. And that's the thing; everybody's different. You know, everybody has different ways to process. Um, there's no one set way to resolve, you know, it's always, you know, based on the situation, based on the individual, there's so many factors that go into it. So it's not like you could do it wrong, you know, right. um, 
<laughs> so so yeah, there there would be different processing times and styles and things like that. And there also we spoke earlier, you said there's also um different for different people they might be able to do it every day or like a micro shadow work every day or different people might do it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to know specifically, if you were to do micro shadow work every day, what would that look like? Well, it's pretty much uh, realizing what triggers you in certain situations, you know, what, what bothers you and, and, and looking into it in that moment. You know, obviously you can't carry a journal everywhere and you don't have to for, for this, you know, the little micro, you know, <laughs> shadow work. Um, but it's, it's, you know, like noticing why did I get bothered by this? Why am I bothered by this person? What's so irritating about the situation? And, 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 you know, a lot of times once, just the minute you acknowledge that, that it's not, you're not bothered by the situation, but your reaction to it, why you notice that, why am I overreacting to this stupid situation? Um, just by realizing that you take a pause and you step back and you become the observer and you don't become consumed by what's happening, you know? And it gives you a more objective approach to daily situations that are less irrational, less, you know, driven by emotion and, and reactive rather than, you know, um, right. purposeful, you know. But I think that takes a certain level of self-awareness. Right? Oh, yeah. so how does a person maybe that's never done any kind of trauma work, any shadow work, maybe is just new to meditation or any healing practice, how can they create that habit of stopping because that is a it's a habit and it's it's a discipline to be able to take yourself out for a moment and then ask the question yeah yeah so, that, that's a, yes. mm -hmm. is there a way for them to maybe build up to that yeah i mean and, and you said it you know just in that meditation you know a lot of times it there, there's it's good to sit and quiet the mind and kind of focus on on your being, you know, and once you realize that whatever thoughts pop up is not you, it's kind of like a reflection or a reaction of the world through you or whatever, you know, um, once you realize that it's pretty much an, another level um, of consciousness, then that this is actually your consciousness, um, it's, it's easier, you know, so you have to really find like, where your thoughts are coming from. And it sounds kind of weird and really out there and abstract. But um, you know, it, and you'll notice, like once you, when you fear, when you feel that fear, when you feel whatever um, that you're getting from a situation, you'll notice that it's like, okay, well, do I really feel this way? You know, is this really me, or is this, you know, fear-driven or based on, you know, something I've rejected or something that has bothered me in the past? And 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 it's uncomfortable and it's difficult at first because it really does take getting used to and thinking in those terms because we've been conditioned to just be reactive our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're almost, we're over time, but it's a very interesting topic. <laughs> I, would, um, I would like um, for anyone with questions to please put it in the chat box so I could make sure that we get to them or in, press the ask the question button. And while you're doing that, I would love to for you to leave us with um, maybe a book or some books um, that people can get started on learning more about shadow work on their own. Yeah, there's um, a great author, and she's pretty much the um, the the lead in shadow work. Um, it's Debbie Debbie Ford, and check out her books because that's that's how I got started um, on this. You know, like twenty something years ago. How do you say her last name? Debbie Ford. It's F O R D. So mm -hmm. D E B I E um, Ford F O R D. Okay. 
And she yeah. really, she's got several books. What's that? Oh. Yeah, she had a series of books. Yeah, yeah, and they're all they're all good. And there's different. There's like a workbook one, like 21 days to like detox your consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Um, and um, you know, and it's kind of like little micro activities that she provides. Um, so yeah, there's the there's one called something like the dark side of the light keeper, something like that. Um, that's about shadow work. But she's got pretty much if you look her mm -hmm. up, she's got all these shadow workbooks and. Um, you know, talks about really, you know, shadow work and relationships. So it's very diverse. You know, you can really check her out. She's really great. So that's what, that's what introduced me to the to the work. Uh, before we go, now that you say that, what introduced you to shadow work at first? Because it's not something that we like necessarily like go to run toward. No, no. It was when I was um, it, my my first job as a trauma counselor back in two thousand and one. Um, that's something that you know we address with the clients. We did something called The Work by Byron Katie. That's another person that's really good. And we would pretty much give them that worksheet. And uh, it's it's another kind of activity where they would write down traits and, and ask, okay, is, is this thought true? Is this true that, you know, what I'm thinking? Or is this pretty much based on this other kind of experience, you know, this other filter? So, and it also, it's, it also involves flipping those traits out, you know, to themselves. So. Mm -hmm. It, that's a more involved activity than we just did, but it really, um, it really goes into those aspects really well. So that's why I got into it, you know, back when I first started this journey with trauma um, <laughs> back then. So well, we're lucky you did. Um, you. And I thank you so much for not only taking us through the practice, but um, sharing your wisdom with us. And I would love to continue this conversation. I'm sure everyone on this call would love to continue the conversation. So if you see the button at the bottom of the screen, it says Wild Wonder, that's me, us. And you can email us there and ask any questions you'd like. It'll also lead you to a website and um, hopefully we could have this conversation again. Um, awesome. These conversations are part of Finding Solid Ground um, and they're made possible by generous donations from our Patreon patrons. Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing. I just love this talk and I hope to do it again very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks so thank much, you. my friends. Thanks for being here, everyone. Bye.